Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Flaming, And today I have the great fortune and honor of interviewing Martin Vreeman. He's not only a great business owner and helping people to have a better life, he's also a great husband, great dad, and an all-around good dude. So, Martin, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate yeah, thanks that. for being I'm here. Introduced like that. Yes, yes. Well, I hope I can help. Now, you have what I consider to be an interesting personal history with how you came to be in the United States. So um, why don't you take us through that and also how you found your current career? All right. So from birth to... Sure. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> in two minutes. <laughs> All right. I saw the light. Yeah, I was born and raised in the Netherlands. My family and I lived there. I lived there for 10 years before my dad decided to immigrate to the States. He was the third of his siblings to move to the States. We, I have an aunt in Ohio, an uncle in California, and they have families there. But thankfully, my dad chose Florida. And uh, so we moved to Bradenton, Florida uh, back in 82. And uh, so I was, I was a fifth grader, 10 years old, scared to death, didn't know the language. But, you know, coming from a Western culture to a Western culture, it wasn't too bad. So um, grew up there, Went to school at the local schools, enjoyed that. Kind of a side note, my first uh, class, fifth grade, I was in with my 2B wife, Denise, yeah. Yeah. So, which was interesting. She remembers the strange guy that didn't speak English. I didn't remember her. <laughs> that goes on the record, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, we started, yeah, we started dating in high school, and Denise and I did, and went off to college to Palm Beach Atlantic University, which is in West Palm Beach across the state. And uh, a couple of years into that, I got married. I um, graduated in 94 with a week old baby. Denise had, had given birth to Kimberly, our firstborn, a week before, right during uh, finals. So okay. finals week. The yep. good thing was my professors allowed me to get off some of my finals, which was nice. So there yes. was some benefits there. Yeah. So uh, I graduated with a, a degree in, in computer information systems and math. A double major, which sounds big, but it's just a couple of extra classes and you get both. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I was going to do with that. I didn't think I wanted to teach. I figured I didn't like English classes very much. The whole literature stuff didn't, maybe because of, you know, my hindrance as a being in, someone from Holland. But anyway, math was rather easy. So I end up getting a job as a computer programmer for, can I give you names? I have Bell's Department Stores. Sure. In Bradenton, I was able to give one resume. I got the, or, yeah, one resume got the job, which was really great. It didn't hurt that the CIO was the husband of one of my teachers at school. So that mm -hmm. kind of gave me a little in, but realized about six months into that job of, of uh, you know, fixing uh, code for mini mainframes and things like that, that that just wasn't a job for me either. I wasn't yeah. all that excited. So uh, looking for something a little bit more uh, people friendly, a little bit more social, and uh, my father-in-law had been an Allstate agent for a number of years, 
and en- encouraged me to look into insurance, become an insurance agent, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's not something you go to school for. It's not something you think about. It's probably right. one of those default, like, oh, you can't do anything else. So why don't you try that? I was wrong, but, you know, hindsight, I was wrong. But anyway, got my, went to school nighttime, you know, for uh, six months, got my uh, General Lines 220 license. And God was kind enough to introduce us to a franchise called Great Florida Insurance, which I still am a part of, going on 26 years. And there was a small agency in Clearwater that had just started, but the owner had multiple agencies and couldn't handle both. So she wanted to sell that that office. So Denise and I ended up... Um, purchasing this small beginning agency in Clearwater back in 95. And um, I'd say the rest is history. So are there, when you reflect back and think back, you know, over the last 26 some years, is there something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started out? If you could go back and talk to that younger person that was first starting out. So is there something that you know now that you wish you knew then? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, know, of course. I mean, you go back and go, of course. I don't know if much would change if I had had a chance to do it over again. I, I think, um, you know, God is a big part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the process of pushing me outside of my boundaries, because I'm a very much a follower. So mm-hmm. let me do my job. Don't bother me. I'll mm-hmm. do a great job. But don't ask me to do something outside of my comfort zone. And uh, moving my young family with a you know year and a half old baby, even an hour north of where I used to live into a new new community, a new environment with a business I had no idea how to run. You know, I didn't want to do it. I wasn't happy right. about it. You know, God really pushed me into that. And uh, so I don't know if there's a whole lot I would have changed. Probably little small bits and pieces. I didn't hire someone for a number of years because I kept looking at the bottom line, and going, I can't yeah. afford to hire yep. someone. That's a big That's one. Probably- Probably the biggest thing that had I went ahead and took the plunge, I think it would have increased my book of business I think, faster. So that probably would have one thing. I've been you know, more comfortable hiring someone. And I saw that in my business. If you can leverage sooner, then you can have that exponential growth. But it is you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith. Yep. <laughs> or a big leap. Yeah, or a big leap. <laughs> right. So what would you consider to be like a simple way that you describe or explain to someone why they should look at having a comprehensive protection plan in place for their lives. Because, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about the industry. So what's a simple way that you kind of approach that or explain that? Sure. As far as I would say, from my perspective, from insurance. Correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. There's lots of pieces. I got me in the first one. We'll get yeah. that out of the way. <laughs> That's right. Right. Get that one first. The eternal life insurance. Once you get that out of the way, then the yeah. rest. <laughs> yeah. So from my insurance perspective, I do, uh, I sell property and casualty. So auto, your homeowners, umbrella, business, that type of policies. I do not, my office does not sell life, health, and yep. things like that, but mm-hmm. they're all part of that, you know, trying to avert some of the risk and the consequences of what that risk might entail. So, yeah, so I would say that, you know, while insurance can be so frustrating for people because, you know, you're paying a lot of money for a piece of paper, having had 26 years in the business, I have seen plenty of cases when that piece of paper saved someone's rear end, whether it's an auto accident, whether it is a house fire, whether it is a, a dog bite or any right. of those kinds of things from my perspective in property and casualty. So yep. uh, that peace of mind, you know, and my personality as well, I would say I'm, I'm a guy that I would pay a little bit at a time to avoid a large payout down the line. So really that's the big thing. It's peace of mind at the end of the okay. day be able to sleep at night knowing that, hey, if something happens, I'm not going to be completely exposed. 
And what I'm, we might get into some specific examples of that later. I want to ask you about that. Okay. Um, are there parts? What so? What would you identify right now as what you like best about your business currently? So, what do you like best about it? Okay, me. What I like best? Well, as a business owner, I really enjoy the autonomy I have. You know, yes, I report to my boss who is God himself, but I have the flexibility in my business to do what I want to do. I can be as productive as I want to be. And frankly, I enjoy, I enjoy the social aspect, the helping part of it. Yeah. It sounds self-serving, but I really do enjoy helping clients. And uh, I'd like to think that whether they are a large client or have something small, I'm going to treat them the same because in the end, I want to make sure that they're well served. So I think I enjoy that service aspect of it. And, you know, a lot of people have, there's a lot of misconceptions about the insurance industry or insurance agents or people that do insurance. So what do you think is probably the biggest misconception about your line of work or the industry? That's great. So I got to look up from the bottom of the barrel, right? <laughs> right. And, and push that's the attorneys right. aside. That's right. Car salesman. Okay. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I know my place. I know. Yeah, I think the misconception, of course, is in some ways is not that far off because like in any every business, there are some that take advantage of the situation. Right. Unfortunately, right. we've seen it years back, even within the Great Florida franchise. They are a great franchise, but, you know, you get a bad apple occasionally and, yeah. and you know, one bad apple can ruin the bunch. But I think the key is, you know, for us, not only do we want to, obviously we want to make a living. I have a business to make a living, you know, means to an end. But I like to put my head on my pillow at the end of the day, knowing I did well and I served someone well. And uh, so I think really just knowing that as an insurance agent, we're not only an agent for the company, but we're also an insured. I, I have insurance and I get frustrated yeah. when the rates go up and I get frustrated when you get an exclusion or, you know, they won't do this or we'll do that. But in the end, insurance companies really do take care of the client according to the policy. So that's yeah. good. So when you're looking at the, the lines of insurance that you generally write for people, what do you see as being people's biggest blind spots? So a blind spot would be, they don't even know it's there, right? You're driving in a car, you don't see that car over there on the left when you're changing lanes. So what do you view as being the blind spot that no one really pays attention to or doesn't see when it comes to the protection stuff you do? Sure. So, well, two things, if I'd say one is outside of my scope of what I sell to be life, life insurance. Right. Um, I think that, you know, is in my mind, every you know, working parent, every head of household ought to have life insurance as inexpensive as it is nowadays yeah. uh, during the child rearing days. It's easy to get a hundred thousand, half a million, yeah. whatever it is for relatively right. cheap. Yeah. And knowing, having known, and, and you as well, some friends who have passed away sooner than they thought they would, leaving a family behind, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen both sides of it, where mm-hmm. he didn't, the guy didn't have insurance, and the guy did have life insurance, and and it's a world of difference, you know, uh, money does matter in that time, in that time mm-hmm. of need. So mm-hmm. I would say that would probably be a real big one. From my perspective, what I sell, I would probably say, you know, what I come across often is people come in and go, give me just the basics. I just okay. want to satisfy the letter of the law. And that's a pretty small, a pretty low yeah. total yeah. hurdle. So really ensuring to your assets, ensuring to what, you, what you're trying to protect mm-hmm. is probably the one thing people might be, if you would say, blinded to at times. Like when they sit down and look at a financial statement, they realize my insurance here and I've got this many assets. How come I'm not insuring to that? Yeah. So that's right. probably maybe the, the biggest one, I would say. The gaps that they don't yeah, know. Yeah, the gap there. in coverage, right. the right. gap in protection. All right. So let's talk about maybe a client experience that was really, really satisfying to you. 
of problems that they face, what they were trying to accomplish, and how you were able to improve their lives. If you could reflect back on something where you were really happy at the end that you helped them. It doesn't have to be that it involves large sums of money. Maybe it was a small client or maybe it was a large one, but a really satisfying client experience you had. Since I would say, Chris, since my personality tends to gear towards service. So you're right. The larger sale doesn't necessarily have as much of a satisfactory experience as just serving the person well. There have been several occasions where clients have come saying, you know, I've been dropped by my insurance carrier because of claims or because whatever it is, it's usually it would be like a claim. Insurance companies do. If they have a pay payout, big claim, yeah. especially it's if it's, uh, let's say, a house insurance and it's water damage because they're afraid what other pipes are going to burst. Okay, so they get off the risk. Well, that leaves the person pretty much stranded because no other insurance company wants to jump on that. Yeah. So as an independent agent, which is what we are here at Great Florida, we have lots of different companies we write for. And so having the ability to shop those companies and frankly, you know, doing a little extra work to try to find the carrier that will write mm-hmm. that is definitely a satisfying experience because you know, you know, I know I did my best to find that client, the insurance they needed. I got an email this morning from uh, an insured who has a, a condo who had two water claims this past year. She's being yeah. dropped. Yeah. Exactly. So I look forward to be able to give her the information, but I do want to be realistic with her. Like here, yeah. expect this, this and that, and you're, and they need to get their ducks in a row. So I would say, Chris, typically that type of risk is probably, you know, in my mind, the most fun because it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody's going to necessarily want to tackle. And I, I'd like to know that I want to and do a good job. Yes. Solving that puzzle piece or that puzzle that you got to have the right piece for it. That's something that I find is, you know, stimulating and challenging too with clients. Yeah, for sure. For helping sure. them solve those complex problems. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I'm curious if you can think back this far because we're getting to be old men, but what your maybe first memory or experience was just in general with money. So the first memory you had or experience with, with money, it could be you know either positive or negative. Sure. I mean, I guess I would say probably have one of each. I'll say the positive first was uh, in high school, you have to get that job and actually going to work for Long John Silvers for like four and a quarter an hour. <laughs> Where's my 15 minute, right. 15 yeah. dollar an hour? Yeah. I, I'm joking. I don't believe in that, by the way, as a small business owner. Yeah. Just get off that record. <laughs> but anyway, the four and a quarter per hour coming home smelling like grease and collecting that measly paycheck because it was part time during you know high school summers. And then realizing I could go out and mow someone's yard for like 20 bucks for an hour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that point, first, my dad would have to drive and we'd have to lug the mower in the back of the, you know, of the Ford LTD and get out there. But knowing that, wow, I think I know which one I'd rather do. Yeah. You know, I could work one hour, two hours and make as much as Long John Silver's in a whole shift and not come home stinking like, you know, like a right. grease pit. Right. So I think that was encouraging. And my parents have always been very good with their finances. My dad is an entrepreneur at heart and was until the day he died. I mean, he just always did that kind of thing and just was very generous. And we didn't over it. We never lived above our means. And so I think we always had what we needed, but we didn't have too much, you know, to get yeah. spoiled. And then on a negative side note, recognizing that I needed to learn more about what money meant. I mean, this is a this is kind of my own conviction, but I remember going into a neighbor's house one day as a, a little kid and they weren't home. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to walk in, seeing some money on the bedside table and helping myself to it and not thinking when I took a $50 bill from this guy, you know, and I just put it in my wallet yeah. at home and I thought, and, you know, and I... Of course, hindsight, I realized how wrong that was. But in the moment, yeah. it was just that temptation and not 
but not really realizing that somebody had worked real hard for that. And for yeah. me just to throw that in my wallet, you know, right. God was good enough to have me, my mom happen to check my wallet like a day yeah. or two later. Cause yeah. I don't know, what am I going to do with $50? Right. You know? And she was real cool. She's like, what's this money? You know, like, yeah. Oh, okay. And then my dad taking me through getting home saying, you know, and and really the punishment of the consequence of going back to them, knocking on their door, paying it plus then some, giving Mm -hmm. it back, explaining what I had done and buying flowers for the missus. Remember sitting on the stoop afterwards, my dad seeing me walking across the street and sitting on the on the sidewalk. And uh, one of the few times I think, you know, we, we, we prayed together, he talked, he said, see, you can't do this kind of thing. And, and the, the consequence really sunk in. Yeah. Um, right. So, so those are my early memories of money. Yeah. Good and bad. But, yeah. but yeah, I've, I, I've been trained well by my parents um, and I really appreciate that. Cool. All right. So if you were, if you were given the time and the opportunity um, and there's no restrictions on this. What do you think is something that's worth splurging on? So if Martin's going to splurge, could be an, it could be an experience. It could be something that you would buy. In your opinion, if you're given the time and opportunity, what do you think is worth splurging on? You know, uh, and my, my mind is, has changed on this over the years because as I have able, you know, as you grow in that and the ability to do something, um, making memories with your family, I okay. think would be the, the yep. big one. And, and, and I'm Dutch, so I still am frugal. And this, <laughs> it makes it hard to say, you know, to push the button that says purchase. Right. right. But, but yes, um, making memories with our kids, making memories with our family. We're a very close family and I've been very blessed to have a wonderful wife and five kids. And, and um, so, so planning those types of outings and they don't have to always be financially, but yeah. yes, sometimes right. you have to buy the, bite the bullet. Yeah. Um, our, we're a boating family, so we splurged on a boat. Totally, you know, there's no other use than just for fun right. and family yeah. time. And so uh, that that's been my 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 material splurge has been uh-huh. buying a boat. Uh, but but memories, yeah, vacations, okay. really fun stuff. Yeah, stuff that matters. So that might tie into this question. Then is um, what would you consider to be your biggest life accomplishment so far? It could be personally or professionally. It doesn't have to be. But what what do you think, or what do you consider to be your biggest life accomplishment? Um, I mean, I, first of all, I would say, and this is not to be falsely humble, but knowing that God has done anything, everything good comes from Him, right? Anything mm-hmm. and anything good in my life comes from God. So I recognize that you know I am not able in my own strength to do anything worth. Uh, anything, frankly. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I would say my, I mean, our biggest accomplishment is to be able to look back and, and, and see that my kids are walking with the Lord. Uh, I would say probably that and building my marriage, you know, make, making an effort to build my marriage. So I would say the personal aspects definitely exceeds yeah. by, by an exponential form, mm-hmm. my business, mm-hmm. uh, only because I think that's the relationships matter. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so the relationships, my kids and, and, and my wife, um, like I said, by God's grace, but yeah, that, yeah. I think that would be our biggest accomplishment. Yep. Um, and then follow closely, probably, you know, I'll follow behind would be having a business of my own. And, uh, you know, like I told you earlier, my personality is definitely not a, a leader. I'm not that A type, you know, mm-hmm. push it, push it. Um, so I have lots of struggles, but to be able to go in, it's been 26 years in the business. I've got my own agency. It's, it's running, it's successful by all means. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. It's pretty neat. So the, so the business is kind of the conduit that drives those other things that are much more oh, important far. that you are able to accomplish. And I think that's kind of, you know, with what we do with clients is, is the, the, the money decisions, the financial planning, that's just the conduit mm-hmm. to get to those really important things based on their values and what's most important to them. 
um, in their lives. And that's, that's what we're actually after. It's not making these decisions, which need to be done, but that's the most important thing. The whole saying, you work to live, you don't yeah. live to work. Yeah. My, my father-in-law said that. Don't forget, you work to live. Right. Uh, you yeah, don't, you don't to live work. to work. And I don't consider myself a workaholic. I put plenty, hour, plenty hours in, but yeah, yeah no, I, I, one of my favorite part of my day, <laughs> locking the door and going yeah, home. Even, right. So if you, weren't, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what do you think you'd be doing instead? I, I don't mean like a leisure activity. I'm like, if you still <laughs> yeah, exactly. wanted to work or had to work, Right. Uh, or wanted to, uh, what do you think you'd be doing instead of what you're doing now? Did you have something growing up you always wanted to try and never did? No, I, okay. I was an easygoing guy. So I wasn't like, I want to be a firefighter. I yeah. want to go fly jets. Um, again, I was, I was a little bit intimidated by those things. And so, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I probably wouldn't have been a teacher and yet I uh-huh. could probably see myself in that role. People that God's put in my life, teachers that have been very helpful, some not, but a lot of them have. I think I could probably see myself in, in a role like that. Is there a unique or interesting fact about you that very few people know? And no, I didn't ask I, your wife. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm just curious. Well, the, I guess the one fact few people know will have to stay that way because few people know. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I, um, no, I mean, I think, I think the fact that I've gone through uh, the immigration process, mm. something okay. that... Um, because I don't, I don't look different. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Caucasian. Yeah. Uh, my language after a few years, you know, there was really no accent. You right. talk to my family, my mom at this point, you know, then you would pick up on something like that. Yeah. So I think having the experience of having been an immigrant, mm-hmm. especially in light of our culture today with mm-hmm. the illegal immigration, with just immigration in general, you know, finding myself going, wait a minute, I went through that as a kid. Uh, I'll be it in a, in a friendly comfortable manner you know we flew over and our contents came in a shipping container yeah. you know six months right. later um i didn't have the same you know harrowing struggles some folks have had yes. um, so i think that's probably uh probably the one thing few people know and then i speak dutch so the few older clients in my you know my in my agency that that are in the mobile home parks here that speak yeah. dutch um i love surprising them you know just by okay going right into it and they're like yeah Wait a minute. So, <laughs> yeah, they're not expecting fun. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't get to use it very often. I mean, it's not like Dutch. Right, right. Or a second language. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to your, when it comes, comes to your industry, how do you stay on, I mean, cha- stuff changes all the time, right? Regulations change, the laws change, the carriers change, what they're doing. So how do you, how do you stay on the cutting edge of your industry or, or what's going on with your line of work? So great. Good question. So, yeah, because it's easy to get in the minutia things and kind of lose sight of the, the yeah. force of the trees. Um, so there's several avenues. Uh, continuing education is something that uh, the state requires to hold to maintain your insurance license. You have to have so many hours of continuing education. Now, some of that, you know, digs deeper into the, the nuts and bolts of just coverage in general. Yeah. But there are some that, that talk about the current uh, climate of insurance. Uh, the other thing is in our insurance companies typically will send out emails. Okay. Uh, they'll send out email blasts that share some of those details. Uh, there are, you know, insurance agent associations that we can that we can be part of that give us those details. And, you know, frankly, sometimes it's a matter of having to look on the news and finding out something I didn't realize until you know, everybody else did that. Oh, wow. Look what's happening. 
but but yeah, companies as a whole typically provide lots of good platforms to get engaged and and become informed on on what the latest um, you know what the latest insurance um, I don't know buzzes if you will or what what changes are coming down the pipe. And is there is there something that you is there something or a person that you follow or something that you read on a regular basis? Now it doesn't have to be professionally. I'm just curious if you're if you are a reader or if you do watch things, uh, who do you follow or, or is there anything you read on a regular basis? So as far as just like current, you know, like um, current insurance, um, probably not. No, I, I don't really keep up with anything specific. There's a few yeah. um, publications that come out and I'll skim them through, but I, I frankly, I don't really yep. look through mm-hmm. um, that on a regular basis. You probably, you probably read it when you need to. Right. So when, well, when, when, it's, when, it's, when it comes up, when it's pertinent, that's when you get up to speed on it, which is it really is. It really is. And, and they give, you know, insurance companies will say, hey, by the way, in the next 60 to 80 days or 90 days, expect this. Yeah. Here's what you here's what you need to know to be prepared for that. Uh, thankfully, I mean, changes in general are not super, you know, extreme in the insurance uh-huh. industry. And now, granted, rates might be or, you know, there are certain responses to the market if there's a if there's a fraudulent response by let's say roofers you know fraudulent yeah. roof claims well then the insurance company has to respond to that in order yeah. to be able to remain prof- profitable so yeah we see the we see it coming because we're we're living it you know right. uh, we're seeing those claims and we're seeing that so um, but as far as as far as legislation um, you know we kind of find out a little beforehand uh, mm-hmm. for the most part as mm-hmm. needed. That being said, what what do you consider to be your biggest challenge in your business right now? I would say one of the biggest challenges right now is um, is the volatility of the market, uh, primarily the homeowners market. So we, okay. you know, as an interagency, we do you know we're primarily a, a personal lines agency. Uh-huh. And we were getting growing in our commercial lines, but the personal lines agency uh, part, uh, the homeowners market is a, is a great example, prime example right now. The you know because of of claims, because of reinsurance costs, and that would be a global response because of tsunamis and fires in the in the west and things like that. You know the reinsurance market, uh, which is the insurance that insurance companies buy. Yep. to protect against catastrophic losses yeah. has gone dr- dramatically through the roof. So that is trickled down to the, to the insured. And then, you know, when 10 of your neighbors get a free roof because they, they bought into the, you know, there's roof damage yeah. that wasn't there. Um, you know, the insurance company has to, has to price for that. So yeah. explaining to clients that even though they didn't file a claim, <laughs> but yeah. 10 of their neighbors did, yeah. unfortunately yeah. it's an aggregator. So you're going to pay, right because you're in that zip code. So that's probably yeah. the hardest thing is to explain to clients why rates do what they do and not make, you know, that's the big bad mean insurance company. Yeah. It's the delivery of the bad news. I yeah, guess. Or to yeah. explain it in a way that, that right. you're not trying to hide something. You're not trying to make right. an excuse. You're just trying to say, this is how it is. Yeah. Cause that, that concept of spreading out the risk and insurance is, is foreign to people, right? They don't just know that naturally. Um, that is kind of foreign to a lot of people where, the insurance companies making those decisions based on the number of claims that are going on and what's occurring. Right, right. We live in yeah. a small little bubble. So yeah, they have to see the big picture and they see we're a Florida, you know, we're Florida, we're coastal, we're this, there's, you know, there hasn't been a hurricane that's directly hit us. I mean, Ada came through, you know, in Irma a few years ago, Yeah, but not really the way we were hit, uh, at least our little area here, our little, you know, treasure coast, I guess. Um, but still there's always that potential. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a big potential. Yeah. 
Okay, so we're coming pretty close to the end of our time. Now, is there a question or that I should have asked you, or would you like to expand on anything that you uh, said earlier? Yeah, that's, I know. <laughs> I haven't hit the 5-0 yet. I'm, I'm close. My wife's like, don't even get there. You know, don't yeah. say you're close to 50. Right. Um, no, I mean, Chris, and, and you know me well enough. I think that, you know, I, I kind of alluded to it before. I would say we talk about satisfaction of helping the client. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, last week, a client of mine that's been with me for over 10 years, I'll, his first name, Dennis, older gentleman, um, came in. I saw him walk through the door. He kind of shuffled in, came to my door and just began weeping. Mm. And um, he just said, she's gone. Mm. She's gone. You know, um, and his wife had passed away just yeah. that past week. The great thing in this business, and partially being my own boss, is that I can, I have no qualms, I have no restrictions to speak into these individuals and what their current need is. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, he may be making an insurance payment, but who gives a flip yeah. if right now he is just broken over his wife's passing? Yeah. And yeah. so being able to give this man a hug praying with him, talking with him, encouraging with him, calling him, following him. I mean, that there's, I mean, that, there's really no greater joy in that than mm -hmm. being able to have the relationship with clients. And I, and I, I, I hate to say it that way coming from this podcast as a, Ooh, you know, right. he's trying to sell himself because I'm a salesman at heart. Right. You know, we're all right. kind of salesmen, but yeah. really, frankly, that, you know, that, that was no financial transaction. That was just really being able to be, you know, hands and feet and being able to be there for this gentleman mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and that that really does give a great satisfaction, and I think that that's just a real sweet part of have, having being your own business owner. You know? Yeah, well, and you you don't know. I mean, he could have no family around. He could be all alone. He didn't right. talk to anyone for a week, or you know, I get calls from clients telling me that I was the only person that sent them a birthday card. You know, and mm -hmm. and so and you don't expect that. That's not what you're thinking. But then you realize, oh, this this person is you know alone in the world or they don't have a lot of contact human wise and with the virus that's made things worse so realizing that you do make that kind of an impact it is really satisfying if people want to learn more about um, you or your business or they want to contact you what's probably the best way to do that the uh, the website, uh, Great Florida is a franchise, and, and so I'll, I can give you the website uh, that's for my agency specifically. Okay, sure. And that's, yeah, that's www.palmetto.greatflorida, all spelled out, dot com. Okay. So, palmetto.greatflorida.com. Okay. All right. And then do you want to give a phone number or anything? Sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So the local phone number is 941-721-9888. Martin, I want to thank you a lot. It's been a real honor to interview you for the show. And we've been here with Martin Greenman from Great Florida Insurance in Palmetto. I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are upping the confidence every day of people on the road to retirement and taking it to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, Martin. Great. Thanks for having me, Chris. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.